0: Perhaps you've experienced a shift in the first half of this year. Maybe things just seemed, well, slower than usual. This is a conversation that's been happening behind the scenes that we're aiming to shed light on in today's episode where I chat with my amazing guest, Megan Lamley. Because while you may very well be experiencing a slow season, we found that the belief that no one is buying right now is likely doing you more harm than good. We're talking sales psychology and behavioral economics to fill you in on how we know this is fundamentally not the case, plus how to shift your mindset to close more sales. Even if you haven't seen this trend in your own business, the mindset shift we discuss is absolute gold for any slow season or dip in your business income so you can get more of the clients you want. you can implement today to completely transform the way you show up daily and the results you see because of it. All success starts with the right mindset and it's time that you create the life and business you've always dreamed of. Let's get started. My guest today is Megan Lamley. Megan is a corporate dropout turned multiple six-figure business owner. After taking the last $200 in her bank account and creating a multiple six-figure business in her first year, she learned the power of sales. Megan has taught sales to over 200 plus entrepreneurs in the past three years, has had 100k plus launches, and over eight years of experience in the sales space. Megan blends the power of sales psychology and behavioral economics to teach entrepreneurs how to scale their business and master their sales. Megan, welcome to One Simple Chef. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, I am so pumped. So I read your bio, but I would love to hear in your own words. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and why you do it? Yeah,
1: so I, titles are so interesting because it's like <laughs> I do a mix of marketing and business scaling and sales and really just kind of holistic business strategy. So a little bit of a backstory is that I actually graduated with my bachelor's in business management in 2017. And when I was going through that, they always ask you like, do you want to be an entrepreneur? And I'm like, no, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to run my own business. My best friend's dad ran a brick and mortar and I was like, I don't want to do that. Well, I graduate. (laughs) I realized the job market is, uh, terrible here. And I'm like, okay, starting to play with this idea for me. Once I got into the business world, it kind of blended the two things that I love most. So I love to read. I read 130 books last year and I am a mixture So many books, right? I'm a mixture of nonfiction and fiction. So sales psychology, behavior, and like a good smutty romance. But it's also helping people. And when I kind of look back in life, you know, connecting the dots, it always made sense for me to do some leadership mentorship role. When I was a senior in high school, I ran a Girl Scout troop. I managed and I had younger girls who were on. I mean, they were were 18, so they were women, but kind of mentoring them through life. And so it was this perfect blend once I got in the online space I realized how much I loved sales and how much I loved making money and helping other people do it and how I had such a unique spin on it and so two weeks before the pandemic I'm at this in-person event and I'm telling my friend's husband about how I want to go into sales and I'm not really sure because like one of our other friends was in sales and I didn't want to you know part of me wanted to get out of this husband's wife's shadow. because She was really big in the online space and I loved her for that. But the other part was like, am I stepping into someone else's shadow? Do it anyways. Lo and behold, we go into a pandemic and I'm like, oh, like
0: teaching sales the way I do was kind of a missing piece in the market. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell me what you feel like was the missing piece. I know this is probably like a very loaded topic, but give us like a high level overview of like what you felt like was missing there.
1: I feel like sales was taught from a very bro masculine way. And the majority of women don't align with that. And I feel like sales was this like, here's how to do it. But nobody was telling us like why it mattered and what of those pieces. Like growing up, my favorite word was why why do we do it this way? Why does this work? Why does it not work? And so for me, it was like taking sales and all the things I'm learning about sales, all I'm doing, being kind of on this cutting edge of behavioral economics, which is just consumer behavior in the economic world. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: psychology and growing sales psychology and then really starting to bring in these pieces and pair them together but not pair it together in something that was super jargony because that was the thing I hated the most when I was learning these things is it was like so much jargon and I was like I'm like nobody understands what you're saying so like how can we make it simple and like easy
0: Totally. And I feel like everything you just mentioned, coupled with how many mindset things there are that come up for women, especially when it comes to sales, around imposter syndrome, around feeling uncomfortable saying rates, around charging for something you're good at, around communicating what you do in a way that actually resonates like There's just so much that can come up on this topic. So I feel like all of this like mishmash together just makes it so hard for one, people to understand what sales actually is, which I think is just like a hurdle in itself. Like you mentioned, like it's so jargony. It's so, you know high level or it's like super, super gross, right? It's the like bro masculine that a lot of people are trying to get away from. And I feel like there was this gap and still is this gap of like, how can I sell in a way that actually feels good to me? Or how can I sell in a way that feels like more embodied or feels like I'm doing a good thing instead of I'm doing a really gross thing? And I feel like that was a big gap that I saw for a while too.
1: I 100% agree with that. And it's not recreating the mentor type of selling. That was something that I saw in the online space where it's like, you don't need to change your personality or how you talk or who you are. In pre-roll, we both talked about how we're from Colorado and like, we tend to be more chill being in Colorado and being in that space. And that was something that it was like, when I came in, I felt this undue pressure to become more professional, more corporate when it was like, that was everything I was leaving. And for me, it's like, that was the biggest thing that changed my business was going from $200 to $220,000 in my first calendar year was sales. But it felt so gatekeeped. Like once you get to this level, you learn these things and it's like, but I need to know these things to make the money to get to that level.
0: Totally. Yeah. So what did you feel like really shifted that for you? Do you feel like it was just like having the background that you had and being able to like look at it through a like less gatekeeped lens? Or do you feel like it was like I'm just so curious? Like what really helped you and propelled you there when it came to like navigating that sort of gatekeeping mentality.
1: Having a sales background, I feel like set me up and didn't set me up in the same vein. Because when you work in traditional sales, you have somebody doing the marketing and they're handing you leads constantly and you're learning to close them. So you're not learning lead generation. That is where I struggled to learn like lead generation and market and all these things that I was responsible for. My mindset honestly was just like, I am going to have to sell either way I'm going to have to make money I don't want to I was working a contract job and I was like I don't want to stay in this forever and like I've always had like these ridiculous audacious big goals and for me it was like how can I find a way that feels fun and it feels like it's almost like I love a game I love a competitive game so how can I you know not always one up myself but it's like you know how can I do these things that feel fun and it feels like I'm winning but focusing on the things that like I can control you can't control whether or not someone buys you can't control the timing that they buy but you can control how you show up and sell there was also a bigger shift in 2020 in my first calendar year where it was like we went from these nurture sales cycles where it was like nurture for six weeks and then sell for a week to selling every single day Mm -hmm. and so for me it was like I'm going to sell every single day. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to show my clients how to do it and how they can be their own bodied, like embodied people. And then from there, it just kind of took off because it was like, A lot of people came in because they were so curious of how do you sell this way? And I was also, you know, reading the books, doing the education stuff and starting to piece together some concepts. There wasn't a ton on sales psychology like three years ago, like there is now. It was Mm kind of like you had to take psychology, apply it to business and then regurgitate it to sales. And so part of that was figuring out what's working and then what principle was
0: backing what was working. Yeah. Fascinating. Oh, so good. So I am just so curious. Uh, around like your whole mindset and perspective when it comes to sort of what we're seeing in the industry right now. I think there's a lot of talk around sort of it being harder to grow or us seeing a sort of like contraction. I think a lot of people were really quick to like take business online during the pandemic. And now that a lot of people have gone back to work or they, you know, found, found it harder to grow a business than they, they thought it would be, or just like a lot of the sort of chefs that we're seeing right now. I think there's just a lot of dialogue. And I will say that with a lot of dialogue can come a lot of misconceptions or stories that are sort of permeating the space right now. And I think like my goal today is just to kind of one shine a light on the the contraction that I think a lot of people have been speaking to recently, but also to almost give hope. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this conversation has gone very one-sided where it's like, it's so much harder now and no one's buying and you can't sell high ticket anymore. And I'm <laughs> there's a big part of me that's like bullshit, but also I think that they we really want to. To just give a little bit more context around this conversation and sort of even just have the conversation, right? I think it's just so helpful to hear sort of how we apply some of these larger economic principles to this experience that people are having right now. So super curious just to hear your thoughts and sort of even what you're hearing as well. I think the squeaky wheel gets the oil.
1: And when it comes to talking about how no one's buying, I think there's this twofold of validating what a lot of people are feeling and then also just increasing their engagement because when you get DMs into your inbox, you get more story views and that's where the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? The thing about economies though, that like a lot of us need to, first of all, fear, focus on the fear. Fear is easily deconstructed by logic and economies, which we exist in an economy, which is buying and selling goods. And there's a micro economy that exists in the coaching space. If nobody was truly buying, our economy would collapse. So there's the first logical piece to kind of dismantle this idea that no one's buying, that you're just selling to no one. Uh, Same thing goes for high ticket, low ticket, mid ticket, one offs, those types of things. Do I believe that it may be harder to sell in 2023 than it was in 2020? I think hard is such a relative term. To be honest with you is it different because the consumer one comes to the space with more information than they did before and so now they're not latching onto the first person that they experience because they have a variety yes but we see that in any market right the housing market will always mirror what's going on in the economy at large scale and it used to be right you throw up your house on the market and here in Colorado it would be like 50 offers a hundred thousand dollars over asking like it truly was sight unseen yeah <laughs> Like, oh, there's a dead body in the basement. That's fine. We'll clean it out ourselves. (laughs) No problem. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. That's the shift between a seller's market where there's more buyers than there are sellers. And right now we're in a buyer's market. The thing about constriction and expansion is that we're still targeting upwards And that like even the market at a lower point like it is right now, which we'll dive more into that, isn't the lowest point that it is. We're not dropping down to zero. We're not dropping down to the X line. And so that's where it's kind of like, okay, when we think about our businesses, you're going to have times where there's lots of demand and you're going to have times where it's a little bit slower. But first and foremost, it's not that nobody's buying. It's how you change how you're selling.
0: Yes. I think one thing that you mentioned earlier is a really, really big point here in that I think clients and customers have gotten a lot smarter. And what I mean by that is, like you said, we're not buying from the first person and like latching onto that person because they like have the solution, so to speak. But I also think like, even if you look at like your own social media behavior, like you're probably like, less likely to like things that you did back in the day when you were just like tapping the like button because it was new and trendy and that's what you did kind of thing. Like I think people are just engaging in different ways. Or you're a lot slower to raise your hand and say, oh yeah, I am kind of interested in that because you've seen how that plays out before and you're a little more hesitant to like be in someone's world and want to do a little bit more research first. You know, I think that people are getting smarter and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, especially for myself included and I'm sure you as well. So many of my clients really run these integrity-based businesses. And in that, like... If you are selling from that place, if you truly believe in the value of what you have to offer those are the people who, like, the good guys are going to come out on top here, quite honestly. I think that, you know, where people get burned or there's a lot of, you know, promises that weren't delivered upon and, and, like, there's a lot of dialogue going around about those things. I think, like, that's when people start to poke holes in things and I think that's where consumers have just gotten smarter and, Doing their research before they buy, looking into testimonials, really making sure it's the right coaching relationship for them, making sure it's the right designer for them, whatever, you know, service is being provided. I just think that people have just gotten smarter and they know how this works now. And I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that it lends to what some of what we're seeing here. Do you agree?
1: I definitely agree. And something that I think a lot of people aren't considering is that a lot of the economic relief went back into the coaching industry. And it's a different like when you're playing with house money, when you go out and you bet and you win the money and you've already got your ROI and it's not your money, you're going to play very differently with that money versus your own money. And that's where it's like, there truly is a coach out there for everybody. There is a designer out there for everybody. But someone being cautious in the market is not that the market is slowing down or that people aren't going to stop buying. It's just that they come to the table with a lot more information and they are more hesitant to buy something. You know, we also saw this with cars. When electric cars came out, there were people who were like, I'm going to go out and buy them. And a lot of people did, but as the market started to slow down and it's picking back up with it, there are some people who still haven't bought electric cars because it's not for them. And that's where it's, we start leaning into like, where is our marketing going and where's our sales process going? I think there's something else that a lot of people, they look at people aren't buying, but then they don't look at kind of like correlation versus causation. Uh-huh. So it's not that oversaturated, right? That's a correlation that people are there. I think a lot of the causation is the marketing that we've seen over the last couple of years where it's very problem awareness and it, it mimics diet culture, to be honest with you. You know, what did we see splashed across every page of, you know, Vogue and Cosmo and 17 when we were younger, how to lose 30 pounds in 30 days, how to do this. And this problem awareness marketing is a very fast burn. It's almost like a white hot burn. So it's very fast. It's very hot and it fades out and that's where it's like this problem awareness marketing mimicked that of these rapid solutions this junky diets and it's like okay we're starting to move to slow to sustainable a lot of that too also contributes to like in 2020 we didn't really have anything else we could do like we yeah, couldn't fair. leave our houses so what were we going to do build businesses invest in programs sign clients like the world truly has opened back up and that's where it's you know, your market's always going to be changing. Things are always going to be changing. We're going to have new software, AI's coming out, you know. It's that, am I going to fear what's happening and what's coming? Or am I adaptable? Am I adjustable? You know, am I building a business that maybe I hold a little bit more cash for these slower seasons so I can still float? Because that's also too, I think with this idea that people aren't buying, it's also like, okay, what business owners are setting themselves up for longevity of five, 10, you know, 15 years versus this white hot burn of like, why I got into coaching and then I got out, I made a lot of money, but I lost a lot of money. It's kind of this weird, like, who's here to be here for a while versus who was here saw it as a money grab, which is fine. You know, a good money grab is not a bad one. It's just be very clear on like the intentions of it and kind of the longevity that you want.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up here is sort of it will turn around, which I think is sort of just something that's so easy to forget when people are in this mindset of like, no one's buying. It's almost like, it's almost this mentality of like, okay, it's the end, right? And I think what's important to remember is like, it's only the end if you decide it's the end, right? Like it kind of depends where you end the chapter. (laughs) And I think just knowing that like, this is how markets work, right? Like it will turn around the same way like we may have these slower seasons. The whole point of having a slower season is that there's also a season where there's more, where it is faster and easier, so to speak, and all of that. So I think almost like just this reframe around, it's not like the beginning of the end and it's gonna like get so much worse kind of thing, but actually like there is, an uptrend and an expansion that will happen after this, I think is a really important mindset shift around this too. What do you think?
1: I think we're moving into like an age and an economy that really bases on your knowledge and not as much as a worker based. I think AI is going to be really interesting where it will get rid of some really mundane jobs. But when we remove that job, like an example of this is when we removed factories and kids doing factories, right, going in and being in the textile factories, we gave them an opportunity to go to school and learn more. You know, when we have these markets shifting and changing, that space does allow you to double down and get more experience and continue to grow and continue to educate yourself. But it's not like it's not like the coaching industry is ending and coaching is out and all these things like coaching, if you really think about it, is over 100 years old. This is just an iteration of how we coach to this day. Another interesting thing to think about, though, that's like a really big shift is Chick-fil-A. We can all agree Chick-fil-A runs very efficiently. Whether or not we agree with Chick-fil-A, they run efficiently. In 2008, Truett Cathy was like, we're going to double down on our customer service and we're going to focus on the things that we can control, right? 2008 was a recession. People weren't going out to eat. People were not doing the things that they were. They were slowing down on that. They there was the constriction in the market, but he said, this is in my realm that I can control. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know who led the pact on customer service in 2020 when everybody had to shut their lobbies?
0: No. <laughs> they
1: wish because they doubled down in 2008 and said, we're going to get efficient. We're going to cut our, lo- like our times down. We're going to run so that we can handle this influx. And so that's the other thing where it's like, instead of fearing this, like this is the end, my business is going to fail. Nobody's buying I'm gonna have to shut down and go back to corporate. Maybe some of you do. And that's okay. It's not the end of the world. But it's also like, where can I refine my business? Where can I double down on my education? And education isn't just investing. I do love a good coach. There's books, there's the library, there's Kindle Unlimited, there's going to free stuff. And there's also this like, where am I giving away my power to people not buying the market sucking those types of things instead of focusing on what you can control, you can always come back to control. You can control how you show up, how you market, how you even view situations like this. Another mm-hmm. example is um, Netflix was built in a recession. Fun fact: mm-hmm. Every the, the company we know and love, Reed Hastings built that in a recession. Imagine if Reed would have went. Oh, video streaming, no good. You know, Blockbuster just went down. People aren't going to want to get DVDs. You know, that's where it's also this reframe of like, how are you viewing this? Is this a situation where you need to close down or is this another opportunity for you to double down, learn more? And even, you know, people are still buying. I have a client who she started with me on Friday. She's already gotten three people into her high ticket program in three days. Sometimes it's just a shift in how you're selling.
0: Yeah. Totally. And even just bouncing back for the Netflix thing for a second there, like remember Netflix started by mailing DVDs to your house. You would, I literally remember the day when we would receive Netflix DVDs and you had to put them back in the little envelope and you had to stick them in the mail and then you would get your new DVDs. Right. And I think that my point here being, that shift alone towards streaming that you mentioned was a shift, right? Like DVDs did go out pretty much. Like, I don't know about you, but we didn't. I think my it's husband's dad gifted us DVDs and we were like, we don't have a DVD player. Like we, we would have to buy one at this point. But it was just like it's such a moment where I was like, oh, like things have really, really changed. And like we grew up in the era of like VHS you know, Mm -hmm. tapes as well, right? Where you'd rewind it after. All of this to say, like, these are examples where yes things did shift right those things quite literally did go out but I think we would all argue for the better right like I'm so grateful that I can just queue up the next thing on Netflix that I don't have to like wait for the next episode to come out I can binge them all at once right that is such an improvement that's such a step in the right direction but if we had been looking at like oh my gosh but DVDs like what's gonna happen like no one's playing DVDs anymore it almost wouldn't Of allowed for us to get something even better. Right. And I think the same thing is true in our businesses where it's like, well, what's your something better than? Like, how can we keep the vision focused on like, where are you going? How can we problem solve here? How can we like navigate what's coming instead of looking back and being like, oh my gosh, but it's not like it used to be? It's like, okay, maybe it's not like it used to be. Maybe it's even better. And like, you just need to figure out what that is. Right. You know that I love and appreciate you so freaking much for being here. And I cannot believe that this is episode 251 of the One Simple Shift Podcast. I wanted to take a moment and remind you that to celebrate having 250 episodes and counting, I will be giving away more than I ever have before on this podcast. That means that if you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts by the end of July, you will be entered to win one of these amazing giveaways that I am doing. So I am giving away one consistent clients intensive, which is normally $799, which is a two hour deep dive with me where we go over both your sales strategy and your sales mindset so that you can land consistent clients in your business. I know that having that personalized one-on-one support in your business can be an absolute game changer because so often we're so close to our own business that it can be difficult to see exactly where to shift for even bigger results like more leads, clients, and money in the bank. I love the breakthroughs that happen on this Consistent Clients Intensive. I think that this is just such an amazing way to identify those blind spots, to find where you've been keeping yourself stuck, and to shift it so that you walk away feeling confident AF and start attracting more of the right people to you and closing more sales with more ease. So That is an absolutely incredible opportunity to win this $800 intensive with me. I cannot wait to support you in that. I'm just so thrilled, right? So remember, that is like such an exciting opportunity if you leave a review. The next thing that I'm giving away is one block to booked sales mindset program. This is normally priced at $249. It is an eight-week self-paced drip program where you dive into your absolute biggest sales mindset blocks. And shift them. This takes you through step by step so that you have the exact mindset work that you can show up for daily that is going to help you to land more clients with more ease. This means you get journal prompts, you get meditations each week, you get the exact thought work so you know exactly what you're showing up for so that you can get bigger business results. And the best part is blocked to Booked is currently closed. It's an open cart. Carter card program. And we are not currently in a launch. So, this is your opportunity to grab that program now and not have to wait for that to come around again. So, that is super, super exciting as well. And then finally, I'm also giving away one money mindset journal, which is valued at $28. It is an incredible resource. It also includes a money mantra meditation bonus. And really, this is just so useful for doing a deep dive into your beliefs around money so that you can understand what stories are holding you back from making more of it and really do that work to shift those so that you feel so good about money. No more freaking out every time you know you have to look at your bank account balance. No more wondering if there's going to be enough to cover expenses. No more wondering how you're going to get that next client, like all of that is so, so helpful to dive into with these prompts because that is going to be the work that is going to help you to shift it. It's going to help you to feel more empowered around money. It's going to help you just feel so much better. And I think that that is just such an exciting shift as well. So again, one Consistent clients intensive, one block to buck sales mindset program, and one money mindset journal could be yours, right? If you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts by the end of July, I will choose a winner on August 1st, I think I said and i will have to make a note on my calendar don't worry i'll do that but this is your opportunity to get one of those amazing giveaways and if you have already left a review but you still want in on one of these amazing giveaways you can screenshot this episode and share it out over on instagram stories be sure to tag me at amanda joyce weber so that i know that you entered to win one of these. And again, all of this is just because it helps me to get this podcast into as many earbuds as possible, which is really, really, really important to me. And it really just helps me to help other people with the mindset work that's going to make the biggest difference in shifting their sales mindset so they can create the beautiful balanced life and successful thriving business as well. So don't forget to do that by the end of July. If you have the opportunity, just do it right now you'll be so glad you did. It'll take less than two minutes. And I am just as always so, so grateful that you continue to tune in week after week, episode after episode. And it is just such a joy to be here. So go leave a review, go share it out. And I cannot wait to select the winners. I was talking to a client recently who was talking about launching a podcast and she had found some like AI tool that was going to help her like make editing so much easier. She recorded like two episodes in record time, getting ready to like put it out there. And she was like, I almost like, it almost feels weird that it could be this easy that I like don't have to like hire an editor that I don't have to like do all these other things. I literally am just like ready. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's amazing. Like, yeah, we can look at it and say like, but what about like all the podcasting jobs? And I'm like, cool, that just makes my podcast editor's job (laughs) easier for him because he's using the AI tool or it means that like, there's just more like more good things on the way right like that's really how I'm choosing to view it is like this is just going to like make it better for everyone it's that whole rising tide lifts all boats thing where it's it'll be more streamlined more effective all of that so I just think that like that's a really big piece to lean into which is like okay it may not be the same as it used to be but it could be even better and can we grab onto that instead
1: I think there's two really big things to consider with that. Nostalgia is a very interesting emotion in the brain where it's like when we experience memories, we experience it the last time we've felt about the memory, not the memory in its truest form. Form, which is so weird when you think about how our brain's like there's so much missing about that and like when you're thinking about that nostalgia piece were you viewing that as this time where it was so much better or so much easier or so much greater did you have your rose colored glasses on it the other piece is, is that it truly is a fight every single day for your brain to focus on what's coming and what's good because mm-hmm. we have a negativity bias in our brain and it's not wrong our negativity bias is actually built so that we survive so that we go to the next evolutionary cycle because if you're, you know, if you don't make it to the next cycle, you're not going to be a part of it, right? It's just one of those things too, that it's when it comes to business, you focus on what you can control. You can't control that the market exploded at that time. You can't, just the way you can't control, it's constricting as well, but you can control on that. I personally believe that AI is really exciting. And if you know anything about machine learning, they're not they're not going to surpass us anytime soon because there's so much other complex thought that comes with it. But even just like the freedom that AI creates, like you talking about that podcast editor, it's like now they don't have to spend time editing. They can spend so much more time ideating and creating and seeing what's working in the market and producing more good stuff. Like podcasts are on the rise. And that's where it's like, you know, have your pity party, have your moment. Maybe it's not as good. Maybe things aren't the same way. But also like where is this freedom in this white space that you're not capitalizing on? Like Mm. there is so much white space that you could truly like, can you go for a walk and just enjoy being outside or, you know, work on a project that's been on the back burner because you have been busy. Like that's where I feel like that is also the people who stay hopeful, get really good about it. There's another piece I want to weave into that and it's called the Stockdale paradox. So Stockdale, basically he studied uh, prisoners of war. Uh, specifically Vietnam and the prisoners of war who did not do well, not like you're going to do well as a POW, but like the ones who didn't do well versus the one who did better were the ones who put these proverbial deadlines on it. We're going to get out by Christmas. We're going to get out by Easter. We're going to get out by my birthday. And those people, when that came, there was that disappointment of like, Oh, it, it, it didn't happen then. And it's like, sometimes we do that in business where it's like, it has to get better by X or this is going to happen versus the people who are like, okay, we're going to get out eventually, hopefully, right? We, we're, we're hopefully going to get out. They did but they didn't put that pressure on something that they couldn't control and they focused on things that they could control. And one of the funniest parts of that is he tells this story about this guy who would do visualization about golf swinging. He would focus on running 18 holes in his mind of this golf course back home. Yeah, He golfed a great game. He golfed a perfect game because he focused on what he could control versus the deadline or Easter Christmas when they would get out by, which had no control over.
0: That is wild. I, first of all, have never heard that before. So that's like completely new to me. That's amazing. And also like that is just such a good example of how that, that like future focus is just so helpful in terms of like how we train our brains to even like think, right? Like that visualization that you were just saying, like totally within his control. Will most people do that? Will most people take the time to visualize that and think in that way? Like, no. I mean, the truth is that a lot of people don't make time for that. But the ones who do are probably golfing a great game, you know? The yep. ones who do are, are probably that much further ahead in business and I think that that is just so useful when it comes to the value of mindset work because I think that a big piece of what we're talking about here is like outside circumstances right like can we say what the market is for sure going to do in the future no like I, I mean I'm sure there are a bunch of people that could hazard a guess, but I I don't think anyone could say with 100% certainty. But when you bring it back to what you can control, like you said, the people who are focusing on, can I visualize being super successful in business? Can I visualize that you know, best next step for me? Can I visualize that action that I'm going to take today that might feel a little scary, but I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to do it anyway. Those are the people who are showing up for those things. And those are the people who ultimately are going to see Well, I mean, whether they're going to see better results or not, I guess it would be up for debate. But I can 100% say that they are most likely having a better experience around it than the people who are not, right? And I think that's something to be said too, which is like, yeah, I'm sure we could all you know, decide, I'm with you on throwing the pity party and feeling your feelings and all of that. But I'm sure that we could like throw in the towel and be really upset. Or we can decide like, hey, I'm going to bring it back to what I can control. I'm going to focus on what's working now. I'm going to look at my data and what I can do better. I'm going to visualize where I'm headed. And like, I think there's a lot to be said for that, you
1: know? I definitely agree. And I think something that people forget is that like your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and what you feed it. So why not feed it the best possible result? Why not feed it this like we're having a great day. Things are great. Like it's, So simple in terms and it can be such an uphill battle with everything that's going on. But it's also like if it doesn't know, then like feed it the right stuff, you know, don't try to don't try to run a marathon on chocolate bars, maybe do some training and do that. But the other thing a lot of people forget is that like when you prepare for these opportunities, when it feels like no one's buying the market does, all like, it's a cycle. It will go back up. It will not be down forever. We are not going into a Great Depression from what I've seen. You know, things could rapidly change. I don't have viewpoints of everything. But that's where it's also like, when you focus on what you can control versus putting your results on what you can't control, then you can also feel better about business. And I think a lot of people, when it feels like no one's buying It's the external validation around no one's buying, my work doesn't matter, I don't matter. And it's like, your work does matter, you do matter. The byproduct is people buying on their time versus you thinking this external validation validates you. Because there are probably people who like straight up were like, Van Gogh sucks, he's terrible. And like, look at him now, like to get your hands on original Van Gogh. But that's where it's like, where can I, again, stay in my power of what can I control? What can I feed my brain? How can I set myself up to feel good every single day? And I feel like results are inevitable at that point because when you feel good, you play good. When you play good, you take the shots that you don't versus when you don't feel good, you don't play good, you don't take the shots. And that's where it is. I think these are the harder lessons of entrepreneurship because, you know, it's easy to be good at something when things are good, but when things aren't perceived as perfect, where can you still show up?
0: Mm, I just love how you put that because I always say like you close more sales when you feel good. I just fundamentally believe that to be true. I think like when we show up from that place of feeling our best, pouring into ourselves first, like Feeding our minds the right thing, right? That is when we show up with that energy as well. And I think that a big part of selling is the energy, honestly, right? Like, no one wants to buy from Eeyore. Like, no one is like banging down the door of the person who is least excited about the thing that they're selling. It's always the people who are like, let me tell you about it. Look what it's done for my life. Let me share more. Like, That excitement speaks so much louder than the words that we say and the words that are like actually coming out of our mouth. It's like, how are you holding yourself? How, like, what energy are you conveying and how that translates is so powerful as well. But even just how succinctly you said that, where it's like, you feel better. When you feel better, you play better, you take more of the shots. Like, I love that. Like, that's such a big piece to staying in the game and I think a big part of business honestly is like how do I take care of myself through this process so I can stay in the game right because when you're feeding yourself those thoughts like that are making you feel like crap it's really hard to want to stay in it right like none of us want to sign up for that when you can keep shifting that when you can reframe it when you can do the mindset work when you can lean on your coach for support like that's what makes it easier to stay in it. And that's what creates those long-term results as well. Because like the efforts compound, right? It's that whole compound mm-hmm. effect thing where it's like, you know, it's not really about the post you post today or how you sold today or like the one thing. It's like, how do all of those one things compound with time, which is actually which what, cre- what creates this like compound results. And I think that, it's yeah it's easier to show up on the days that it's easy but on the days that it's hard that's when we still need to show up for the things so that they can compound you know it's not it's not like only making deposits on the days that you feel good it's making deposits on the days that you kind of have to get your mind and body on board there too and I think that that's like a big part of where results are built too.
1: I think when we think results, a lot of people focus on that one time you sell that one post. And if you plotted all the times you sold all the posts you have, that one time doesn't matter. But how many times do you say that one time doesn't matter and you push it off because you don't feel good or no one's buying, no one's reached out. Like that's where it's the difference. And that's where the thing about energy is that we do talk about energy in this very high, like removed place. We have receptors in our brain that pick up on someone else's energy. It's called a mirror neuron. And a mirror neuron is responsible for seeing something and creating an emotion inside of us. Mirror neurons are your lie detector. They're your BS detector. And when you don't (laughs) feel good, it picks up on it. It says, hey, that person doesn't feel good. This isn't safe. And a lot of it is, is, you know, 97% of communication is nonverbal. And that mirror neurons is looking for that nonverbal. And that's where it's, it's one of those things is just coming back to it. It's like, okay, can you have a bad day? Yes, we've all had bad days, I've had bad days. I've had days where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I should just go back to corporate. like it was so much easier back then. but it's also like I've you know, when I've showed up and sold on a good day, I'm like it's a good day. It's easy. But those bad days that I sit there and I'm like, I'm gonna do what I need to do to make the change to move into a place either where I can show up and sell or I can perform on my function. those days build you as a CEO. And I've never regretted showing up and pushing through on those days because it also, that's your courage muscle that you're flexing. You're saying, even when the conditions are ideal, I am still going to show up. I am still going to do the thing. And that's where, when things get hard like this and people are like, well, how are you still optimistic? It's like, well you know, I was launching a group program right when COVID hit and everybody was like, what are we going to do? And it's like, this feels hard. But that felt like I should shut down my business, run away, never show my face again, come out in public with a bag over my head type situation. (laughs) But if I wanted to push through that, I wouldn't have known how to show up. And that's where it's also like opportunities present yourselves. Your job is to prepare yourself for those opportunities when they show up.
0: And to be aware enough to look for them, right? Because I think that when you are so deep down the hole of like, this isn't working, I'm terrible, my business is terrible, I'm going back to corporate, like you're sure as hell not responding to the people who, like, wanted to be on your podcast or have been reaching out with buying cues and you're just not seeing them that way or building relationships with people who will become clients down the line. Like, those are the furthest thing from your radar at that point. So I think, like, it isn't even just about, like, being... Open to those opportunities. I think it's literally like you can't even see them (laughs) if you are not in that place, right? Which like is hard, right? Like because if you can't see the opportunities, you are definitely not taking them, you know.
1: You know what I always tell my clients is, you know what the easiest way to get out of a hole is? What to stop digging. Yes. Oh my gosh, so good. Stop digging. If you know that's happening, reach out, tap somebody. say, Hey, I, I texted my boyfriend last week and I was like, I am having a really bad day at work and I'm really stressed. And I just wanted to verbalize this. And he was like, Oh, what's stressful. Do you want to talk about it? And I was like, I don't really want to talk about it. I just wanted to verbalize it. And he was like, you'll be fine. He'll be, he was like, you're okay. And it's like, when you're in that moment, just like, instead of continuing to dig, just stop digging. And that's where, there's that's where we need mentorship and coaching I truly believe like we were never meant to do life alone we were never meant to do business alone you know we're really quick to idolize these large tycoons in the Silicon Valley but they had a coach they had Bill Campbell he was coaching Larry Page Steve Jobs I bet you he was hanging out with Elon and all of them like they all still had coaches and that's where it's like Hey, like get yourself someone who when you're in that hole, they say, give me the shovel. Let me pull you out of the hole and let's move in that direction.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I'm such a visual person too. So even just like the visuals, like stop digging. I'm like, Ooh, I can see that. Like, (laughs) It's so good. so good. Amazing. So I know that you have some story prompts that you can share with listeners today that are going to help them to directly sell on Instagram. So why don't you share a little bit more with us about that and where they can grab those?
1: You can, if it's down in the show notes or it's going to be on Instagram, these are really cool because when I was struggling to sell and when my clients struggled to sell, I'm a firm believer that scripts build skills but we don't want to build a script in my voice because I'm going to sound very different than you. Sometimes I sound a little uneducated if we're being honest but what they are is it is a seven day selling prompts to show up on your stories every single day. They are laid out really well so that you can plug and play and know how to adjust things and they're layered with sales psychology to get people to raise their hands to say yes I want to buy and so if you're someone who, if you've never Shown up on stories, they'll work. If you have shown up on stories, they also work. If you just want an easy out, these are going to be perfect for you.
0: Yeah, so good. We will definitely drop those in the show notes. And yeah, that actually just brought up another question I had before we wrap up is, If people are interested in like learning more about sales psychology or even just like diving into like, like we mentioned, investing isn't always necessarily getting support, but there are amazing resources out there and books and all of that kind of good stuff. You seem like an incredible person to ask in terms of like, where do you recommend people like dive into that more?
1: If you want to learn on your own, uh, on Instagram, I have a highlight which says books and I kind of break down some of them. I also have kind of scattered throughout my website. If you're listening to this episode and you want like a list of books, send me the word books and I will send you like my favorite around sales psychology. If you are ready to dive in to use it specifically for business, I have a course that teaches all about buyer psychology and then I infuse this in all of my programs as well. What I would say is the easiest route is going to be the stuff that I've built because a lot lot of sales psychology books focus on traditional business which sometimes don't fully apply to what we're doing here in the online space
0: yes so important and so so good amazing okay well we will be sure to drop that highlight in the show notes as well so you guys can go grab that there and yeah Megan I am just blown away thank you so much for sharing with us today if listeners love what they heard from you where can they find you
1: Instagram always I love to hang
0: out there Amazing. Well, thank you again. It was such a joy and a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to One Simple Shift. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at amandajoyceweber.com slash Shift. If you're loving this podcast, do me a favor and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews truly mean the world to me, helping me to reach more people and have more impact. And as a special thanks, we'll reach out to everyone that leaves a review and you'll receive my absolutely free life and business changing future you meditation. This mindset exercise is the simplest, easiest way to tap into future you today and start being that woman now. I only wish I had a visualization exercise like this when I first started my business and now it's available to all of you. Simply screenshot your review and email it to me at amanda at amandajoyceweber.com to receive your free meditation. And remember, sometimes the only thing standing in the way of a more profitable business and a more fulfilling life is one simple shift. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's really interesting. Hold on. My dog is barking. Let's give it a second. Can you hear him in the background?
1: Yeah, I can.